author who started publishing in the 50s. He was born in 1928 and he died in 1982. He's considered a pulp fiction author of 44 novels. So what's a pulp fiction author? That's an author who sells novels directly to paperback. We talk a bit more about pulp science fiction in episode 6 where we cover the eras of science fiction. Because hardback books cost a lot of money to produce, publishers only put really well or really high-selling authors into hardback books. If your novel hits the shelf in hardback, you were seen as a sure thing by that publisher. Now, P.K. Dick never reached that level because P.K. Dick was writing about really weird science fiction, stories that challenge our perception of reality. He never achieved the wide-ranging readership that a hardback novelist would have. So his books always came out, well, in paperback. So the P.K. Dick Award is a celebration of authors who are releasing new books, but into paperbacks. William Sedaris kicks us off for the next reading during the awards banquet. Our next nominated work is Alien Virus Love Disaster Stories by Abby May Otis, published by Small Beer Press. Abby. Thank you so much. I'm going to keep going with the brevity theme. <laughs> this is the beginning of Moon Kids. There are unfortunately no blowjobs. <laughs> Suzo says Moon Kids are drawn, find their way to Sandpoint because they're drawn to the tides. They like to be around something else that's ruled by the pull of the moon. Colleen thought she came to Sandpoint because Krabby Abby's was hiring, and Softshell didn't seem like such a bad thing to eat for lunch every day, but she's willing to concede that maybe Suzo has a point. At any rate, there are a lot of moon kids in town, which mostly Colleen likes, although every so often it makes her crazy. She's been here a year. She likes that Suzo lets her wait tables instead of keeping her kitchen side. Plenty of other restaurants keep Moon Kids kitchen side on account of the odd asshole customer who makes a snide comment about Moonies putting him off his food. Suzo's into jumping on stuff like that. This is an equal opportunity place of employment, he'll say, and at this point, I'd like to give you equal opportunity to get the fuck out of my dining room. <laughs> no denying it, though, Moon Kids. They're kind of stubby. On account of them growing up on the moon, your muscles learn differently in moon gravity. Your bones form light like a bird's. Used to not even be possible to make the transition, you'd touch down into earth pull and collapse like a fast-melting candle. Too many fractures for all the king's horses and all the king's men. Way, way too many for earth doctors to deal with. Earth doctors are known for not giving a shit. Now, though, they've got ways around it. They've got operations and stuff. Every moon kid's got incision scars in the same places. 
Colleen likes that her friend Tesla works for Suzo, too. Tesla got promoted to assistant manager a couple weeks ago because she's so bomb with the business side of things. Encouragement is good for Tesla. The people side of things she has more trouble with. The restaurant is hopping today, some obscure holiday, some excuse for money bags to wallow in a day at the shore. Big, well-fed families sit around the tables and snork down crab bisque and get a total kick out of summoning waiter, oh waiter. The air droops with fish smells and the sweaty fervor of over-tipping. Everyone likes reliving the golden consumer boom once in a while. Colleen sloops between tables like a freaking old school roller skatress. Shrimp poppers here, cod basket there. She can recommend the most expensive thing on the menu in a way that doesn't feel sleazy. She takes orders without a pad. The food is gross, but the money bags pay for service, for the anachronistic privilege of getting served. And the tips are spinning out like cotton candy and Colleen's feeling on top of the world. It's been a year since she last stumbled and spilled someone's calamari. A year since she overthought the business of walking in earth pull and smashed down and had to have two people haul her upright. A year since anyone watched her flailing and giggled and edged away. Colleen, you'd look at her today and you'd say, now, there's a moon girl who's coping. Mostly you'd be right. Tesla isn't doing as well. The customer rush today, it means big tips, but also big noise, and they've got a sous chef out sick and 15 other things, and all Tesla wants is to get the purchase order in, but instead she's smudging the e-paper with her elbows, biting eight of her fingernails at once. Tesla feels people staring even when they're not. She starts to twitch. She picks her lips until they bleed, and then pickle, people ogle the chick with blood down her mouth, and then she picks more frantically, and a feedback loop gears up. Stop, Tesla, sweetheart. Hush. Moon girl par excellence. Bones too frail for all the muscle. Mind too frail for all the grief. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> The earth isn't fit for much anymore. Everyone's given up growth cold turkey, which means they seize on development like an ex-smoker chewing pencils. The moon helps out with that. Luna, her airtight cities full with, full with scuttling hordes of washed out researchers, working like spastic cogs in the breakthrough machine. Hacking away at the mystery forest while they wait for the real trees to grow back. Except no one's figured out a way yet to get people to work so hard they don't have time to screw. Even Mondo geeks get the pole in the hole every now and then. Plenty of those fetuses end up down the chutes where they belong, but sometimes someone gets a bee in their bonnet about being parental, having a family. So you end up with moon kids. You can keep your moon kid until it turns 16, then they give out tests. The ones who pass get fitted into the machine. The ones who don't, who choke during the multiple choice or blank out during the neural net scan, they're out. The population board picks you up by the scruff of your neck and drop kicks you the 200,000 mile ride down to earth. The moon doesn't give a shit where you go after that. You sucked the moon's tit for 16 years and then had the gall to turn out stupid. The moon never even looks back. 
Moon kids get the illustrious task of trucking out slabs of beer-battered cod to shiny tourists who look at them like their furniture. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Would you like fries with that? And at night, they get the pain of watching the moon rise. Thank you. Thank you. That was Abby May Otis reading from Alien Virus Love Disaster. Next episode, we hear the reading from Audrey Schulman, author of Theory of Bastards. This book's about Dr. Frankie Burke, who's a MacArthur Genius Award winner, uh, and she's uh, studying bonobos. And the reason why a lot of people don't know about them is because they have uh, sex constantly. It's their way of dealing with everything, um, any tension, uh, you know, food fight, anything. Um, and that's why you don't see a lot of PBS specials about them, and you don't find them at uh, zoos because there's no PG-18 part of the zoo.